podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, how are you? Your host here, Jeff Lloyd. I uh, just want to thank everybody. Uh, obviously, you know, as the week rolls on each week, uh, you know, ton of great feedback responses. I appreciate every drop of it. Guys, iTunes rating and reviews, five stars. Please leave a rate and review. That is always appreciated. Um, this is a show actually I, I had in, I, you know, in mind about a week and a half ago, and I actually uh, messaged Pete. And I'm like, dude, I got a lot going on. I might forget this. But it seemed like the perfect time to drop this episode here with all that's going on this week. And guys, look, if you're feeling down right now, I understand Kansas City's coming in here. Sure. But th- there's not much to feel down about. You know, the, the negative voices and, you know, that is out of the building. Um, you know, is the staff a little bit inexperienced right now? But yeah, it is. But it's not about that. We're going to go through this and this is, we're going to go through this and highlight this roster and, and the meat of it and the good of it. And this is what's going to sell to whatever sexy name you think you want to be head coach of this team, th- there is an easy sales pitch here with this roster currently. Uh, Pete Smith, thanks so much for joining me here tonight. Uh, we're going to have fun with this one, guys. But it- it's just something to give you here. Break up the monotony of the week. And, you know, no more, you know, uh, he said, you said, blah, 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 blah. And he can stop with the media tour. And just like I told you guys, this was only going to make himself, he was only going to make him look worse. Because however he thought he was viewed in Cleveland... He was viewed ten times worse nationally, Pete. It's it, it, I, I I sort of look at this whole little media tour as this might as well be his next job interview, and he's failed. He's bombed it. He just bombed it because not only did he he goes to the first one, and then he seems like he changed his message. I didn't watch the other one. This is just what I've sort of heard from him. He basically like changed his message based on the feedback that he seems like he got from the first one. Yep. And it was just – it was bad but different bad. So it feels like you already bond the issue. But this was the whole thing when they retained Hugh Jackson for me was the coaching staff's going to be a mess. The roster's what you're going to really enjoy about this team. And, and, you know, as frustrating as this whole situation is, I think that part is still shining through. It's just irritating because the weaknesses are, are sort of holding the, the holding the team back. But you can still see – where this team can go. the Well, I mean, you have some serious needs at some of the biggest positions. But in the grand, you know, in the total of it, you know, where John Dorsey flipped 31 of 53 last year, it's not going to have to be nearly as dramatic this year, guys. So that's the part you're going to enjoy and what we go through here, what we go through, uh, you know, what we're going to do here this evening. And yes, and look, Hugh Jackson went through and, you know, as soon as he got to ESPN, it was a little bit of a different story than what he had told, you know, his good buddy, Mary Kay. So it's just even more and more laughable. And you just get everybody now just coming out of nowhere, except for morons like Luther Campbell, who are going to try to turn this to race now, when about, you know, 20 months ago, this entire almost front office and coaching staff was um, may have had um, you know you know more black folks on it than they had white folks so it, to bring race into this it's just laughable and to not know the situation and it's even funnier when these people come like this and not one of them had anything to say about Hugh Jackson during 2016 2017 they're all just coming in to you know basically jump on a dead carcass now you look like idiots Luther Campbell your time was over about 35 years ago so guys like you can take a seat and sh- shove it um, obviously, we'll start with you know the most important position on the field here, Pete. Uh, Baker Mayfield is obviously a guy who's going to be here for a while, so he is an absolute keeper. Um, Drew Stanton, Drew Stanton, and him have a great working relationship, and we went about this all off season. You know whether it's a Chase Daniel or these guy, these type of guys 
They are invaluable from the fact that, God forbid, they do have to play. Okay, at least they know the offense. You know, you know what you're going to get with them. But they are here to basically sit next to the guy who is the man. And they, you know, look, whether it's a McCown, another name, these guys are going to get paid, paid well, and it gets them on the, you know, the path of whether they want to go home and coach at their high schools or they go, oh, they want to be an, you know, a college coordinator or go that route or, or NFL or whatever route they want to go into coaching. They're literally getting, you know, basically grad school work in the coaching field while still getting NFL paychecks. And they still have to go through things like a player. And, you know, and as much as it's not an us against them as far as players versus coaches, there is always that little thing where it's just a little bit different hearing things from a guy who's actually going through it as opposed to a coach. Coaches are like, you know, tech, you know, the it, players have this mindset. Coaches are supposed to coach you slash, you know, yell at you, whatever. It's just different when it's coming from fellow player. It is interesting, though, that all offseason when I was told that you can't sign a guy like Matt Moore or Chase Daniel, you have to get somebody like Tyrod. In the end, those guys would have done just as little as Tyrod did and not cost a draft pick, which was my whole argument at the time. Well, I mean, still, plenty in the draft pick department, but Drew Stanton is here. But the other thing, though, is when you have these guys, and if they've gone from you know a couple of teams, but they can sit down and say, you want to know what? We used to talk about this with Carson Palmer. We used to talk. I used to talk about this with Matthew Stafford, and you know you can. You know these guys are gonna. You know obviously Baker's gonna look over and be like, all right. I mean that's something that's going to turn the light on for him and, and make it easier for him. And it takes the coach element out of it, like you said, because it is coming from a guy who is wearing a hat. He's putting on a pair of pads every day. Well, I mean Drew Stanton almost every day, but you know it's gonna come from that, and it's a working relationship, and it ends up with a guy like Baker Mayfield buying a boat or an SUV for a guy like Drew Stanton one you know one way down the line but also it sets Drew Stanton up for whatever career he wants once he is no longer putting on the pads it gets him right and ready for that uh, next off so obviously guys there are two keepers right now now remember last year 31 out of 53 left quarterback position two out of three Tyrod Taylor thanks for the li- the limited service but you know time to move on running back position Pete here lot obviously a pos- you know still two positive options um, but who are we keeping out of this crew so far? Well, I mean, Nick Chubb and Duke John. Well, let's put this. They better be, you know, the, the, <laughs> that should be your tandem uh, going forward. Uh, it's just a question of is uh, is Montreal Hilliard somebody you look forward to and say, you know, this is a guy we really, really want to keep? I mean, you know, running back's one of those where, like, a, a number of positions take one every year if for no other reason competition and see how it shakes out i really like hilliard i like what he brings to the table but that's cert- he's not somebody i would say is a lock for the roster but i like what he could possibly do in the future yeah no exactly and a lot of him it's going to be tied to whether or not you can return kicks it's going to be tied to whether or not you can play special teams and but here we are guys and this is why it was a good time to do this show we're eight games into the season so now hilliard's up here he's going to get some playing time can he contribute in other ways and be able to show that when you do call his number, he can give you a little something. And here's a guy who, you know, look, he's going to have a shot to make their team next year. But look, you know, running backs, yes, I'm with Pete. You draft one every year. It doesn't matter if it's sixth or seventh. You always just keep somebody in. And, and somebody may end up at a practice squad, but whatever. You keep going at it. But Hilliard's got a shot here. Um, fullback, we're not even going to address it because you can't get into it without a 
you know, coaching staff in place. And obviously, whatever's being run here for the next eight, eight weeks is not what's going to be run here in 2019. So, you know, no reason to even mention that right now. We'll kick it on out now, obviously. So, guys, right there, bang, four. And you get a question mark next to Hillier's name, so that there's five. But uh, those uh, four, for me, of those are keepers right now. Wide receiver position, uh, obviously, Jarvis Landry with what he's being paid here in one more year on the deal. He's here, but this is actually a positional group that gets kind of interesting after this, Pete, after after Landry. Right. I mean, this is the thing is, like, clearly they need more help, but, you know, there's enough that's interesting where it's a question of how much help. Like, I fully expect when we go to the off season, we're going to hear names like Golden Tate and some of these other guys. We're going, well, the Browns should add this and draft a guy and all. And, 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 you know, I understand where people are coming from, but. I'm not entirely sure the numbers work out on that just because they've got some guys that, you know, this group drafted, this group added, and they may want to get a look at them. And, I, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season works out, but I want to kind of get a look at them. Yeah, no, and look, I mean, if you want to say Hollywood Higgins is probably here, sure, there's two. Uh, Callaway with a fourth-round pick, here's a guy that could be in the 19 plans, but also there's going to be competition brought in. Same thing for Damian Ratley, and, you know, who's the sixth-round pick? Um, I have those guys as part of 19. Sure, I do. But it doesn't mean that if you sign one free agent and you draft one, now all of a sudden the numbers are getting slimmer and slimmer for these guys to make the roster. So I actually, I, I have four going. And guys, when I'm saying this, I'm putting this into who's going into camp next year. So uh, you know, a Higgins, a Ratley, a Callaway, even a Willies. These are guys that are going to be part of it. Uh, but look, there's going to be competition. There's going to be more guys brought in. It's just, it's just good business. And if you end up saying, oh well, Antonio Callaway didn't make the roster in 2019, that may be a good thing. That may be that your receiving core is that deep. And the same thing for a guy like Damian Ratley, who you know I love. But you know, these guys got eight games to prove their worth. But either way, there's going to be more guys brought into that wide receiver room, and it's just. That's what you can do when you are not revamping a roster. You're just adding. And, you know, so that that's where we're at here. Tight end position, Pete. Well, this is one of those where, again, I want to know what the actual team's thinking in this one. But, I mean, Njoku, you know, that he's he's there. It's just, you know, a question of how good he's going to get. Uh, and I hope... Seth Devolve is in the plans. Uh, I really like what I've seen out of uh, Darren Fells this year. Uh, that's a, more of a question of how long can he go uh, than than being good or bad. But that's you know that's a position I would love to see somebody be good enough to say uh, force the Browns to maybe think about keeping a fourth one, uh, get another role player, get another guy who can block or something like that. But I mean, I, th- I think I would like to think that those three are safe. I, I mean, I, I guess I'd put a question mark by Seth Evolve simply because the, the team doesn't seem to use him. Well, that is the biggest issue. Pete, we're going to hit a pause. Uh, the one thing is with Seth Deval, Pete, and I'm just going to say this, is with what he does and the similarity of maybe what he brings to a David Najoku, he could be in a tough spot here. And it does seem that maybe this front office isn't huge on him. Maybe we'll find out this week, though, what the front office thinks of Seth DeValve. I mean, this could have also been part of the, you're gone, and guess what? You can freaking go too. So we'll see more. Um, look, more Seth DeValve reps. If anything, play the guy more, because if you want to move on from him, at, at least pick up the va- pick up the value. 
Uh, look, Fells, for what you're asking him to do, is absolutely fine. I have zero issue keeping him. Um, at this point, uh, you know, maybe he can put on 15 pounds and move Desmond Harrison out of here because when they stand next to each other, it's kind of hard to tell which one's the left tackle and which one's the tight end. With that, that is going to bring us over to the tight, I mean, I'm sorry, the offensive line position. Uh, Pete, right now, obviously, interior-wise, you got four guys, and I think you pretty much like every one of them. You don't have any issues with the starting two guards, with the starting center. I think they like Corbett on the inside, but it's kind of hard to get him reps right now because of the fact that you like what you have inside. Left tackle, right tackle, this is where it gets really, really murky for the future, and... If you want to draft left tackle, most likely you're going to do it in the first round. Uh, you know, right tackle, there are other ways to go about it. So let's get some thoughts here. Uh, what's weird about this season, if anything, is is it seems like Kevin Zeitler's having the best year of his career, uh, which is weird because they have such bad tackle play. You'd think it would be, you know, when they had uh, better help there. And PFF backs it up. I mean, Zeitler's having a fantastic season as a right guard. Yeah, but the the big problem the the Browns have is they've got two swing tackles starting, uh, and and Desmond Harrison is a coup, even if he's a swing tackle. But the fact that you were you put yourself in this position where he's a starter sort of changes that dynamic. Now he looks like a disappointment when he was an undrafted free agent. You got him for nothing. Uh, it's a nice pickup. The 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 thing where I'm I think the the Browns may do something different is with with Chris Hubbard. And my initial impression was, well, they'll just get out of this contract. And if if they want to use their cap room as a weapon here, they could conceivably say, we're going to hold on to him and see if somebody wants to give us something for him. And if they do, we'll trade him. And if not, the the offensive tackle is so bad that we can just sort of hold on to him and if we have a big problem then he can be that swing guy which is exactly what he was in Pittsburgh and now you have two backup tackles that are pretty good and you've got a little bit of insurance just in case Desmond Harrison's problems creep back up that got him to the situation where he was undrafted um so we'll see but it I I I just I will not be surprised if, if, if Chris Hubbard is around a little bit longer than maybe it would have seemed like he should be given given how he's played this year. Uh, but, yeah, the, I mean, the question is how are they going to find two starting offensive tackles? Is Desmond Harrison going to be you know have such a productive offseason that he's going to suddenly be a starter? And that doesn't mean he has to be the left tackle. He could be a right tackle. Uh or are they going to have to figure something out? And the other possibility is is Joel Batonio. If Corbett develops and, and we don't know where Corbett really is and maybe we find out in these next eight weeks, uh, maybe Joel Batonio kicks back out to left tackle and they say, you know, we can get a guard. We, I mean, guard is obviously critical with Baker Mayfield. They can get a guy who can play, play guard up to enough of a level that it's going to be good enough that will allow Batonio to go left tackle that that becomes another option and then puts less of a premium on finding offensive tackle play and, and now you're looking you have the option to get a, a, a talented guard the uh, the question mark is that it seems like at least if you're looking at the draft right now the tackle class looks better than the guard class exactly well but even still though if you kick him out I mean you hope Corbett can play guard 
Um, look, you can always find a, a guard in the mid-rounds. But one thing we this team needs to know, and this franchise needs to know, is whether or not Joe Batonio can play left tackle. And now, which is going to be yet another lost, lost season, with eight games to go, I, I don't know why that plug is not being pulled. And look, even if it's one week and it doesn't go well and Joel's not comfortable, at least you tried it. But you have to, because look, you're not going to get a left tackle in free agency. It doesn't work that way. And look, and with a ridiculous D-line class, and look, I got into this today with Michael Baum, uh, your producer over at ESPN Cleveland. Guys, we messaged afterwards. We're fine. It was just two different theories. But with Desmond Harrison, for me, is there have just been too many what-ifs through his entire life to say, we're, we're, we're just going to be okay with Desmond Harrison rolling in a 2019 at left tackle. There's just too many what-ifs about the player, about the person, about his dedication and commitment. There's just wait. And then the other thing is, like Pete said, if his problems creep up, well, then you didn't address left tackle. And guess what? We're having these same freaking discussions a year from now. I just can't trust Desmond Harrison at 25 years old to finally just get it together when he was told in January what he needed to do to be a successful NFL tackle or at least to improve things for him. And he didn't do any of it. And look, there's times where he's looked really good, but these, there's things he's got to do to be able to handle the elite pass rushers. And they are in a division that has elite pass rushers or, in, or even really good pass rushers. That's what he's got to do. So this is where we're at the offensive line position. Look, Chris Hubbard, I think, may have did just enough in a limited role to you know maybe fool some people. And look, the Browns weren't the only one. Other teams were interested maybe to fool people into thinking he could handle a full-time role. Do you keep him around? Look, I, I don't think he's going to cripple your cap. So if you were to tell me next year that Desmond Harrison and Chris Hubbard weren't starting tackles going into week one, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because that means obviously you upgraded, whether it was Joel at left tackle. You can always draft a right tackle. You could always draft another guard. Those are things you can do. So it, it's, but this is all, this is about taking this, what you have now and making each group a little bit better, which is a positive thing. And look, I know this is something that John Dorsey absolutely has to be looking to and foaming at the mouth. Guys, everybody asked me for, you know, betting advice. Look, I will always tell you, I can't tell you who's going to win, but I'm going to tell you who to bet with. So the most important thing is who you're betting with, not who you're betting on. So mybookie.com. Uh, they've been in business for years. They have fantastic reviews online. Their mobile site is simple, clean, easy to use. I would only recommend a service, but good to me in the past. Any bets I make, guys, I do use mybookie.com. Uh, you know, mybookie.com, you win, they pay. It is just that simple. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie is currently slammed with possible new members. So what you need to do is if you want to apply with them is do it after 7 Eastern. If you do it after 7 Eastern, you get a free $25 into your account. As always with MyBookie.com, if when you register, your initial deposit will be matched 100%. If you use the the promo code LOCKEDON25, capital L, capital O, 25, uh, so they will match it 100%. If you do it after 7 Eastern, you get the extra $25, guys. It's simple, free money. It, you're foolish not to do it. MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Pete, we're going to take it over to the other side of the ball now. And this is where I kind of really, I mean, it, it gets even better on the defensive side of the ball because you can kind of look at each positional group and just kind of say, well, we need one of those, we need one of those, and we need one of those, and let's get going. Now, defensive line, and 
Guys, I understand how deep this defensive line is in the draft, but I am going to tell you right now that left tackle is still the biggest need. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the route you're going to go in round one of the draft, but it is still the biggest need on this roster is left tackle. That's where you build your offensive line from. You go from left tackle and you build it on over to the right. Now, Pete, the defensive line here, uh, a lot of, obviously, Gennard Avery's name comes into here. You know, he's, he's either way, he's part of one of these guys that's sticking. It's just a question as to which one you're putting him to. But go ahead and obviously, you know, a, a, a lot of wealth here on this defensive line. Just need some depth. Again, this becomes a lot, much like Batonio's situation. You get a lot of choices, and, and it be, it's because of Emmanuel Ogba. Yes, he can be a base end, and he, he can be very good at it. He could also be a hell of a three technique if he wants to, if they want to add him, have him add a 10 pounds or whatever and, and move also inside. You're in a position where if you get another guy like Emmanuel Ogba, now you're five or six deep. Right. And then you add in the Avery uh, piece to that, and suddenly you have some options. He can play sandbacker. He could play that true left end. You know, you, you just have a lot of options. I personally still think the three tech. You know, getting a stud uh, between Garrett and, and Ogunjobi and, and and that group does more for this team than anything. But again, you have options. Uh, the the thing that I think becomes interesting is I would like to see. Uh, Trevon Coley brought back, but in the role he should be, which is as depth, he's not a frontline starter. He's an to, okay player. 12 to 18 snaps a game. Yeah, he's fine. And what he can really do is he can be your depth for both. I think he can basically be your, your a three-tech and a nose sort of because he's not I mean you, you wouldn't put him as a true nose but he's a run stopper and he can sort of fill that void that he's he's he can be sort of that guy for for either situation that you can you can have him sort of fill in a little bit uh beyond that though I mean I I wish uh this team would use Chris Smith more I wish this team would use guys like Anthony Zettelmore and again maybe we'll see some of that uh, over the next... Carl you know, Davis, Price. I mean, th- this is an eight-game audition for these guys. Right, and and if they don't like these guys, you know, that's fine, uh, but they got to find guys that they do like, and whether that's, the, you know, the, whoever in the coaching staff, front office, whatever, if you don't want these guys, you got to get somebody who's going to take, <laughs> take, take some wear and tear off this because you... <laughs> It's absurd the amount of wear and tear on those on those three frontline starters now. But imagine they actually make the playoffs, and now they have all that wear and tear over the course of the season, and potentially have another month of football. That's just obscene. Like you look at a team like the Patriots, and very few guys play. I, I think they're highest right now, and partially due to injuries, like sixty percent. Uh, you know, you've got guys over 90. That's that's not sustainable. And, and when you're going to need those guys the most, presumably competing for what you hope is a Super Bowl, you're going to need those guys to be not just healthy, not just pretty good. You need them to be at their best. And that's that's where that becomes an issue. Well, and that's where you saw, you know, years ago, Belichick, where he would put the one man on the line and drop 10. It was just something different, but it was also... You know, get, grabbing a guy a blow. Look, a 215-pound cornerback, yeah, he should be able to go bell to bell. Uh, a 285-pound defensive end, that's not the case. And you're not going to get the best out of him in that. But you, Because their role is you know, kind of almost the same on each 
you know, each down. We're a cornerback or a secondary. You say, all right, I, I know we're getting a little bit gassed here. All right, we're going to go to zone here for a couple of plays to so take it easy on these guys. You can't do that. And the worst thing you can have is these guys just standing up out of their stances and not contributing anything to a play. So play these other guys. And look, I don't want it like last year where it's four off the field and four on the field. Pitch counts. All right, you're out for two. Tag him. He's out for two. He's out for two next. And and that's the way you do it. And I, I hate to harp on this, but there is enough there on this defensive line that you can play these guys and trust them. Carl Davis, he, you know, he's lasted in the league for three years. Price last week was your highest graded defensive player. There is no reason not to trust him. Your second highest graded defensive player last week was Anthony Zettel. So get these guys some reps. If anything screams more to you that these were your two highest graded defensive players last week, it tells you that your upper echelon players are playing too much and they are taking snaps where they cannot give you 100%. So play these guys, weed out what's good, and you know, do you need one or two? Do you need another pass rusher? You always need another pass rusher. Do you need another interior guy? You 110% absolutely need another interior guy. But this is what you got to do over these final games. Now, Pete, the linebacking core, and this is where it gets interesting, guys. And look, again, Avery, if you view him there, you view him up front, look, either way, he's here. Um, you know, Christian Kirksey, uh, A number one, you keep him because the D revolves around him. He gravitates towards him. He's one of your leaders there. Uh, the fact he loves playing in Cleveland, he doesn't give a crap whether or not, you know, he doesn't care right now that the franchise is still getting there. The guy still goes out. I mean, delivering shoes to the homeless. God freaking bless the guy. And especially with a, my worst day is anybody else's out here's best day. That is the type of guy you want in your locker room. Obviously, Joe Schobert's a keeper. So, Pete, linebackers for me, I have three. It would all depend on where you put in Avery. Well, when it comes to Jannard Avery, my answer is always going to be, why not both? Well, of course. But then again, you get into the, the, the you get into the snap count because there, there's going to have to be another linebacker here who can play sixty to seventy percent because you want to use best of both worlds with Gennard. Sure, but I mean, here's the thing: is is for the past you know th- what's going to be three seasons, they've had a defensive coordinator who's beholden to the idea largely that he needs three linebackers on the field. I mean, realistically, in the way the NFL is going, a you don't. And B for the let's say it's let's say it's thirty percent of the time you need a third linebacker on the field. Avery can be that thirty percent of the time guy if you need a guy, and you can blitz him or whatever. I, I what I don't want, and 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 you know this is the trap that they sort of fell into, and it was, it, it was a let's be clear, it was a good problem to have. Is you you had Chris Kirksey, you had uh, Jamie Collins, who I don't expect will be back. Uh, and, and well, then the problem you, with Jamie Collins is you get his effort once a month where you say, okay, he's worth the price tag. And he's certainly not going to be a guy you can go sit down and say, hey, will you take a pay cut? Jamie Collins isn't going to do it. Right. And, and it's just he has clearly has superstar ability. He has the ability to be the best player or, other than like Miles Garrett. He and Denzel Ward. He has the you know, he has yep. best on the field ability. Uh, bar none. He's just an absolute freak show when he wants to. Uh, but you know, it, it, he you know when it's it's when he wants to do it, and that's not enough of the time to to warrant it. So I fully expect he's going to get cut. So 
if you're playing a, a linebacker, and like I said, they fell into this. They paid Jamie Collins a ton of money. They paid Chris Kirksey a ton of money. And then they get this stud in Joe Schobert and go, well, we got to get this guy in the field too. So suddenly you're now in this three-linebacker situation where you don't want to take them off the field. If you're no longer stuck with that and you're saying, well, we're going to be a base nickel team and Jannard Avery can occasionally fill in or you know some of the other guys they've had uh, at Sam you know play that Sam linebacker or third linebacker role, uh, then you can you can sort of you know piecemeal it. But they've had enough linebackers where they've been able to get reps. But I don't feel like it's an enormous pressing issue where I certainly I think they should draft somebody day three type guy. I think there's more than always guys you can find that can sort of help you there. But the reality is, you know, I think it's actually becomes more about special teams than it becomes true linebacker reps. Uh, and, and maybe got somebody who's like specifically there, maybe slightly undersized who can cover day uh, Buchanan. Well, in that mold, if nothing else, because what you hope is going to happen with this football team is you're going to start playing with leads. And that's why Dayon Buchanan made a ton of sense with Arizona when the Cardinals were good and they could put up a lot of points is you could we're always playing with a lead. And then suddenly you have this guy who's really, really good at playing pass coverage and flying around and being undersized. Whereas now when you, when your, your team is, you know, losing the way they have been, uh, now he's got to, try to man up and take on a boss block and he's not designed for that and that's where you get into a tr- get into trouble and, and why a guy like Joe Schobert is so valuable and that he can do everything uh, take on that the block go make a play against the run but he could also g- drop into coverage because he's close to 250 pounds uh, and, and all that athleticism so yeah, I think Daniel Buchanan you know as high as he was drafted I don't think that's terribly realistic I think you can get guys who can do that type of job that, you know, that quote unquote spur linebacker later in the draft that can be sort of specialist or, 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 or converted safety or one of those and fill in that gap. And, and you're not sort of tied to this idea of three linebackers anymore. Well, but I, the reason I, I, I mentioned Buchanan is because it gives you a perfect fit for first and 10, second and nine, and then now once you get to third down, all right, Gennard, you're going up, and a guy like Buchanan comes in, adds more speed to your defense, and it's just, look, we, I don't want to get into anything free agent-wise now yet, guys, but uh, if you don't know, yes, I, I like the I like they own, and I like they own a lot. Um, we're going to go to the cornerback crew here. Um, obviously, right off the bat, <laughs> CB1 is established, it, you know, that one, you know, Pete, the hay is in the barn, I know that's one of your favorite ones, uh, you know, that is established. Um, but now, you know, Terrence Mitchell and Carrie and all these other guys. Now, this, this, for, I, I'm just a little curious because John did bring in a lot of these guys, but you have to wonder, you know, how this is going to play out. EJ Gaines is a guy, look, you know, and Pete said it, I've said it, Bills fans will tell you it. Everybody likes EJ Gaines, but it's tough to evaluate a guy like EJ Gaines because it's, all right, EJ played good for two weeks. We don't see EJ for three weeks. He's a tough guy. But, Pete, here's some thoughts here on the cornerback position and guys that you think should be factors, could be factors for 19. Uh, I, I can't imagine uh, TJ Carey will be back. They had, an, like a lot of these contracts, they have an out. I think they're, I, I fully expe- expect they can't wait to get to it. Uh, I'm hoping that Breon Batty Calhoun is resigned. 
whether you want to call him a corner, free safety, both. Uh, I, I, but I that's think also, though, along with Avery, though, the, you want these guys with the versatility. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't rule out the possibility that the Browns could go, you know, super big and grab, you know, a greedy Williams or something or, you know, something along those lines. But given what I've seen and, and, and given the fact he's going to come back and play, I would really, really like to see uh, them get another year, if not more, out of Terrence Mitchell and EJ Gaines because at least to this point, Terrence Mitchell and EJ Gaines have played really, really well. And Terrence Mitchell alo- across from Denzel Ward really – Really started this whole t- turnover takeaway attitude where one hundred percent where they they started not only you know making plays but that you know Terrence Mitchell is really the first guy who started ripping the ball out and causing the team to get turnovers and it becomes contagious. One other guys see that happen and say, well, you know, wow, that that's how you get playing time. This is what you know. I mean, and that's where. That's where the NFL defense is headed. You cannot help giving up 350, 400 yards a game. How you can help is creating turnovers. Yeah, there's no question. And and you know, so should the Browns still be looking at a corner? It, well, just like running back, you, you know, even if it's an undrafted guy, there's always guys you can find to play. And and Brian Barry Calhoun is a great example of that. He's a guy that was you know drafted by Jacksonville, then waived, and they grabbed him at the end of the free agency period. Or you get one of these undrafted guys that they they had over the course of the uh, you know practice squad, whatever that grows up a little bit and becomes a little bit better, and you you get a guy who can contribute. But that's a position where you're always looking. Uh, Michael Jordan, for example, available. I'm I'm surprised that the Browns haven't pounced on him, given Greg Williams' familiarity at that position. That you wouldn't grab him. I was, I was stunned he was available when I saw that the other day. Yeah, that whole situation with the Giants is just is is nothing short of strange. But again, it's just you know these are options, and he's a guy with the Browns anyway who's played well. Uh, could certainly help them as giving them another boundary option. But that's you know that's a position where you're always looking, and and if if you move on from from gains or from carry in this case, or maybe you move on from some of those other guys. That you 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 are are always shopping. You're always looking. That the Dorsey's not afraid to to grab those guys and take another swing. And and if you you now have a coaching staff where you know what they really want, you're probably not going to be afraid to make a little bit more of an investment there, a longer term deal, as opposed to the situation where they had now, where Denzel Ward, Jabril Peppers, were basically the only two guys where if they want to, they could sit. sit Look, we're getting rid of everybody with this new coaching staff, and they want to play a different scheme. They could, they could literally pull the plug on all of them. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen at this point. But those, that's sort of where they are. But again, and and Terrence Mitchell was the cheapest one, and and the least Funny heralded, right? the least heralded of the group. It was sort of like, hey, who's this guy? Yeah, he had a pretty good season, but do we expect him? And and he's been great. So, you know, you know, as much as as much as. Uh, you can criticize Chris Hubbard's signing and, and, and TJ Carey. The, both have been sort of pretty abysmal. Uh, they can get out of those contracts, and, and you get a guy like Terrence Mitchell, and you're sort of like, yeah, that's you know, this was a great pickup. Yeah. So for me, at the cornerback position, obviously Ward, Gaines, uh, you know, uh, Terrence Mitchell, those are guys 100. Uh, percent 
you know, uh, Bodie Calhoun, whether you view him as a cornerback, whether you view him as a safety. So, look, if, if you want to put him at cornerback, I, I have four coming back. Um, you know, interesting name to watch will be, as he's a free agent this year, will be Steven Nelson from the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, John Dorsey drafted him. He is a fiery guy. Uh, he's, uh, you know, one of those uh, guys, remember how much I talked about Jairi Alexander and how much I loved him. He's a guy that, you know, talks the talk, walks the walk, and, you know, people rally around him. He gets fired up. Uh, the safety position here, Pete, uh, look, uh, you know, obviously Demarius Randall. Look, the guy's earned the contract he's going to get in spades. Peppers, Randall, I have, you know, them definitely in the fold going further here, but go on on the safety position. So, again, options, and one of the options here, Derek Kindred could play linebacker. And and with Jabril Peppers on the field, and suddenly you have a really nice nickel package, which is still credible against playing the run because that's what Derek Kindred does anyway. Now he becomes a weak side linebacker, and, and you have... That type of situation. This is, you know, Jannard Avery and, and Derek Kendrick could conceivably split that position if needed. Uh, Jabril Peppers, I love what he's doing. I love where he's going in terms of his growth. I think he's getting more confident by the week, and you're seeing him sort of become the player that maybe people thought he was going to be when he was initially drafted. Uh, but you mentioned it, Jamarius Randall. Even if you don't sit there and go, man, I, I don't see Jamarius Randall making a lot of you know, plays that I see what it is, is he allows this whole defense to operate and that he gives them credibility in the middle of the uh, defensive backfield. And that plays, you know, he was making a lot of plays early in the season and sort of defenses have gone further and further away from him and are allowing other guys to make plays on the football, like Ward in particular and and Mitchell uh, and, and Gaines. He just becomes this, you know, facilitating player where now he allows corners to press up. He allows more guys to blitz. He just he just makes the defense sort of run in a way that it couldn't last year when Peppers was sort of forced into that duty and he wasn't really ready to do it uh, and may never be ready to do it. And he's played hurt. He's he's been a tough you know tough player. He's been you know a nice little vocal guy in terms of the defensive backfield and bringing sort of credibility to the secondary. And all of a sudden, you have three guys who can take care, take away the football, plus Jabril Pepper sort of still growing and getting better and, and making more and pl- more plays. And then Derek Kindred is this fantastic role player who can make plays on the football in terms of tackling uh, behind the backfield. And now, like this past game, forces a fumble, caught, gets an interception, and I understand he's a double-edged short in coverage, got beat, uh, beat badly on a cover two assignment. But, again, we've talked about this. You're going to give up yards. You're going to give up touchdowns. But how many times are you going to get the ball back for what you hope is an offense that's going to score a lot of points? And Derek Kendrick can do that. And I also think the more, you know, the less you need to rely on these guys, the more they can help on special teams. And and Jabril Peppers is getting better in that point and really getting a lot more confident. The blocking's getting a little bit better. But some of these other guys can contribute on that end. So, that's another position where, you know, I would love to bring in competition, but it may be more in the form of a guy who's maybe a corner, maybe a safety, and you hope he's valuable enough. A lot of what you're really looking for, honestly, is a Jordan Poyer, uh, but not Jordan Poyer now. Jordan Poyer when the Bronze had him the last time, uh, when he was sort of that tweener guy who could do a little bit of everything, but hadn't sort of really blossomed into being a starter yet. Well, and that's what you, I mean, and look, and when you get to this, I mean, because you want to be able to mix up your looks because you have, 
you know, you have faith and trust that, look, I, I, even though it's only one or two reps, normally he's not a man guy, but he can do it if I ask him and I put him in the right situation, whether it's picking up a tight end or it's picking up a running back coming out. You want to be able to hide your looks the best you can where the quarterback's looking out there and saying, well, dang, I don't really know what's going on here because we've seen on tape this guy do this. We've seen on tape this guy do this and this. So you, you just want to have as much confusion as possible when the quarterback is coming out. But guys, me and Pete just sold you here. This is what you're going to go into, and John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam, they're going to go to and sit down and meet with these head coaching you know, prospective guys, and this is what they're selling. Imagine trying to do this last January. Where he said, oh, well, we got Deshaun Kaiser, who may not have a drop of confidence anymore because the coach destroyed that. Uh, running back-wise, we've got Duke Johnson. We know he's not a feature back. We don't know what else to do. We have David Njoku, really athletic tight end, but needs a lot of work because we didn't play him. Wide receiver core, there's a whole bunch of guys here that, you know, maybe there's some talent, but we don't trust them. Offensive line, oh, uh, well, yeah, Joe Thomas is great. Uh, he might retire. Uh, Sean Coleman, uh, no, nah, nah, never mind. And defensively, well, Miles Garrett's fantastic. Larry Ogunjobi, he's really good. What else do you have? Well, we have Emmanuel Ogba. What else do you have? Uh, well, tell us about your wide receiving core. I mean, your linebacking core. Joe Schobert's good. Joe Schobert's good. Christian Kirksey's pretty good. Jamie Collins, uh, overpaid. And, you know, tell us about the cornerback unit. Uh, tell us about your safeties. Oh, we have Jabril Peppers, who's a terrible free safety, who shouldn't have been drafted to play free safety, but that's where we played him this year. This is going to be the difference between going to look for a new coach after December 31st this year, as opposed to you were supposed to do it last, you know, if you were going to do it last January. Look, should you have still done it last January? 100% you still should have done it last January. But this is the difference in the product you're selling. Chris Manning, Locked On Cavs, does a fantastic show, guys. Follow it. Uh, he's doing, a, you know, like me, he's tough times covering a team. But go ahead and follow it. Pete, go ahead here and close on it because I heard you already trying to jump in there with something. Well, you mentioned selling the roster. There's a couple things. First, you're saying you have at least three, if not four, starting DBs ready to go. I have you this. Have, I have this roster between 34 and 37 guys uh, uh, of who you would retain going into next year's OTAs and camp, and obviously. Well, I would say at least nine starters back on defense. It's, like yeah. so, e- and 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 when some we, are we pseudo talk- starters like Kindred. Right, right, and you have guys who are right there, and and that's where like I'm not quite including Ogbin, you know Avery, but you know they're right there, or the, you know eight nine, they're they the eight nine range where you can sort of decide how you want those to do. But for the, one of the fear mongering things I heard, and the reason to retain Hugh Jackson was this idea that well you have to start over. Nonsense. You've got a defense where you're going to say eight or nine guys are going to start. I don't care who the coordinator is. This is who you're going to be. Offensively, yes, they needed an X. But if if you just add functional tackle play, this offense can be successful. Everything else on terms of this roster is largely just getting a little bit more comfortable in the league, getting a little bit more confident in what they're doing. But if you're saying eight, nine starters on defense and you're saying, yes, we need an X, but it's re- even if you had just functional tackle play, yes, would we be talking about needing receiver help and needing an X? Yes. But would this op- offense at least be able to function? No question. Like We'd still be able to talk about – we wouldn't be talking about 
the, this nonsense talk of, well, are we ruining Baker Mayfield? No. You'd be sitting there going, man, I wish we had a little bit more help weapon-wise, but you'd at least be able to go, oh, man, guys might be dropping balls. Guys can't get open like we want, but you'd see a lot more football that looks like Baker Mayfield against the Jets than you would Baker Mayfield against some of these other teams where he's got no chance because he's got an offensive tackle on either hip on any given play because they're getting driven into the backfield. So we are talking about four or five starters. Three of them are sort of super critical, but you could get by and play competitive football if you just get three. And guys, that's where we're at, and this is what it's about, and that's why you moved on from the two guys you moved on from. They were holding back here the greater good. It became more about individuals than it became about the team. And look, if Greg Williams, look, Greg's has got his warts. Nobody's denying that. But Greg wants to go out week in, week out, and play 60 minutes. If the chips don't fall where you want them to fall, that's just the way it's going to be. And look, like I told you guys, Greg is still here because there's a possibility they would like to retain him as a you know as a defensive coordinator. So there is that possibility. If you get the biggest of fish or you get the the guy and he says, no, 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 my deal is it's all my staff. Greg, thanks. It's been fun, but we're going to go on and we're going to move on. But guys, this is the difference here now. And as much as this week has been difficult and the three losses and the Kansas City Chiefs are coming in here, there is a bigger picture here now. And it is bright and it's pretty and it's not, you know, the dreariness that's gone on here since, you know, er, you know 2016 when so-and-so took over this gig. It is now on and it is time. And, and, and this is what it's about. And, you know, obviously the next eight weeks are going to be crucial for a lot of these guys. You know, make or break where they are going to be in this future's team's plans, which is good. And this is what we're going to look, look for. And I want to see competition over the final 60 minutes, uh, you know, the, every 60 minutes. That's what I want to see. Guys, for Pete Smith, obviously read his work over at NFL Spin Zone. Follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore. I believe it's something like that. But guys, uh, you know, you all pick on him, but uh, you want to know what, guys, whenever Pete Smith is on, you guys give it a ton of listens. Follow the show at Locked On Browns. We always keep it a follow, Brown, uh, follow back account. Guys, as always, the iTunes rating and reviews, they're crucial for the show's success and reaching new listeners. Please help with that. I appreciate it so much. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, guys, I try to keep up and return every tweet I get. Uh, look, I, I, I'm trying to be here as active for you as you guys are, you know, loyal to me. So thank you for everything. Uh, Chiefs game tomorrow. Pete will join me for the post-game show. Good, bad, ugly, whatever's the case. We'll take you through everything that happened. Uh, until we talk tomorrow night, guys, LGB on the LOB. Appreciate y'all.